It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. So on two different occasions last year, I was delighted to come across Andy Clark, who has worn many hats in the world of food and drink. I'd already been following him on Instagram, and let's just say he has a very entertaining account. Last week, I had a Zoom with him to find out more about his career to date and his recently published book, Home Bar. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Andy, great to have you on the Zoom call today for the best possible taste. The first time I came across you was on Instagram. Very jolly, happy looking profile pic of you. And of course, you go in and you read the bio and I thought, yeah, I'm going to follow this person. He looks like great crack. And you are great crack on Instagram, but you're even more crack in real life because I was so pleased to see you in a distance at the Irish Food Writing Awards, but to actually meet you then on a press trip to Belfast. Yeah, no, you're, you are very, very kind. Thank you so much. I think anything I do, I try to sort of exude positivity. It's all about, you know, waking up and smiling, having a good time, making sure others have a good time. And I like to, if I can connect people in any way through food and drink, then I, I will. And uh, you you say lovely things about me. I think you should write my my CV for me. I think that's, you're, you're very kind. But um, yeah, I think... Um, during lockdown, you know, in 2020, I was like, oh, I'm being a freelancer, you know, I'm a food and drink TV producer and director by trade. And then through that, I got into hosting and food and drink writing, which is lovely. Um, but during lockdown, you know, my work was non-existent and uh, the weather was quite good. And I'm thinking, oh, I need to promote people to be happy, eat seasonally. You know, my, I loved it. The only thing I had to worry about was what I was going to buy for food at the farm shop or the supermarket or wherever. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get out there. And I'm a bit of an exhibitionist. I like to get a suntan. I decided to sort of, you know, take some clothes off and pose uh, amusingly with with various uh, produce or flowers in the garden or whatever. And, you know, people would message me and just go, do you know what? That's exactly what I needed today. We don't know, you know, the whole world is going to just cave in at this point. But thank you for making me happy. And that makes me happy if people are happy and then I put any videos of you know a bit of cooking here and there and then that sort of just escalated and but there's no there's, there's no um uh, it's so much nicer to see people in the flesh though isn't it I love I'm a, I'm a hugger you know and look as you said there you're a food and drink writer you're a broadcaster you're an event host and you're a tv series producer and director so you've been on both sides of the camp mm. tell us about some of the shows you've been involved in Okay, yeah, well, way back when I always wanted to work in TV, I think when I was growing up, I'd watch things like watching um, Philip Schofield on the, in the broom cupboard on, on BBC. And it was like, oh, I love this. And watch Blue Peter. I thought I'd always love to be somebody who could work in television and inspire kids to do things and to be, be positive and explore things they want to explore. So luckily, I got to work on Blue Peter, which was wonderful, and work oh. with um, some really great presenters and come up with very, it was really nice because you could be theatrical you come up with loads of ideas like oh we've sent a blue peter flag up in space and the, the astronaut's coming back with that flag so i had to sort of write an interview and we turn the corner of the studio into the, um, the moonscape with like craters and stuff and it's like oh could we do a special um where we look at the romans and i had to cast and write at this 
this whole sort of piece and cast the presenters as different Roman people from a Roman food seller to a, um, you know, somebody in a Roman prison or a gladiator or whatever it might be, which is great. From that, I started working on uh, Rich and Judy, where sort of daytime, you know, live at five on Channel 4 and, um, you know, sort of news reactive uh, TV program. And when we were doing that, I got the opportunity to help develop a, a food program idea the the program Saturday Kitchen on BBC One was being made by a production company, but they were defecting over to ITV with the same sort of format. Um, uh, and the, 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 term, the name Saturday Kitchen was owned by the BBC and the production company I worked with at the time put me on the team to sort of develop some new ideas for Saturday Kitchen. And um, James Martin was in the mix because he'd just done Strictly Come Dancing. This was, I think, I think he'd done it think in 2005 and he was a bit like the house spice favorite so we pitched an idea with him and looked at the format came up with the omelette challenge idea and stuff like that and through that long story short started working on it and I grew up um, in a family where we grew a lot of our own uh veg and we had a beautiful apple tree my dad would make his own sort of beers and bitters and we had home cooked food so food and drink was always a passion of mine but then to be able to put that into my love of working in television was brilliant and so to start off with I was producing other programs and I'd go in on a Saturday morning and I'd, I'd, I'd go in just to help out I'd, I'd wash up I'd stand in for the celebrity guest in rehearsals I'd chuck scallops I don't know cling film meat put it in the fridge and then after two years I'd finished working on the other programs the Blue Peter and the Rich and Judy and all that and they said would I produce Saturday Kitchen I was like well yes I'd love to and so when I did one of my um uh, tasks as producer was I would go out and direct all of the wine content. The wine experts would go to different towns and cities and we'd choose wines and they'd bounce ideas off me um, and the cameraman. And they said, oh, you've got a very good way of putting what you're tasting into words and sort of how wines might go with food. They said, you should take this further. So I just started writing on my blog, on a website and it went from there. And I just sort of, that sort of, you know what it's like, it can snowball. I'm sure it's the same for you where something will happen and then, Somebody hears about you and says, oh, could you do this with us? Could you do that with us? And then luckily through Saturday Kitchen, I made a, a great network of really lovely chefs and, and drinks experts who then who would be like, we need to work together. So that sort of went from there. And now I do a lot more hosting and writing than I do producing and directing. But if there's food and drink there, I'll try and get myself to it and be involved in some way. I guess I'm greedy. <laughs> And do you have a preference between being in front of the camera or being behind it? Um, I don't know if I do. I think grass is always greener. I think when I'm in front of the camera, I love it because I can communicate. I can sort of, you know, make sure I, I say, right, this is what's happening. This is a great thing. And if any one person can just go, oh, my God, whatever you just gave me there, whatever you said, Andy, that's made my day better. Brilliant. But then when I'm doing that, I like also thinking, oh gosh, I, I I might produce this differently, or I might do it in a, in a, in another way, and I I want that editorial control. So I think in a way, grass is always green. If I'm doing one thing, I want to be doing the other more. But I think that's human nature, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And look, I love talking to people and interviewing people like yourself and doing events then and and hosting a stage with different guests is something that I really enjoy and it's something you do a lot of you're going to host the drinks theatre is it a pub in the park over in the UK pub in the park is a big festival there's 10 dates this year it's, it was uh, started by Tom Kerridge wonderful Michelin, Michelin star chef um he 
uh, well, we were just having a catch up on the phone. We're good friends. He said, oh, we should be working together more. Why don't you come on board with Pub in the Park? So I thought, oh, we could do something, do a bit of social media. I don't know what they want. I thought you've got established presenters and chefs. Anyway, it turns out they were looking for somebody to host the main stage. So we, there's a big stage. If you imagine each session, it sort of goes Friday to Sunday. There's four sessions over a weekend. And about you know, 5,000 people come to each session. And we have big music access. So they wanted somebody to host the music acts on the main stage. So we're talking about bringing on the likes of McFly, Rag and Bone Man. Um, I don't know. There's G Gabrielle, uh, Banana Rama are doing it this year. Yeah, wow, it's, it's great. So, I mean, um, which I'm very excited about. But you know, really, you know, Craig David does it. Um, loads of different music acts and um, and a few really, really fun sort of uh, sort of ca quite camp tribute acts as well. Also, do you know? It's, it's really nice. A bit of um, sort of ABBA and Dolly Parton and stuff like that, you know. Um, but um, so they wanted somebody to do that, but they said, we want somebody who likes music, but it's a sort of foodie hybrid who could also do some other stuff. I was like, well, I'm your man, you know, I can do that. And uh, so I came on board with, uh, I, so I host the main stage and bring on all the pop acts and sort of gee the audience up. And what I see myself is a bit of a, this, I will say I'm a foodie matchmaker. I can be on that main stage and go get over to that tent for that food. There's a brilliant drinks bar over there. Or, oh, I've just tried this little steak sandwich from there. Go and try it. So I can let people know what to do. But there's also a kitchen stage and there's a fire pit stage as well. So on the kitchen stage, there will be food demonstrations. And then I do cocktail demonstrations um, from my book and just teach people how to do nice little cocktails. And I'll do some hosting on the fire pit stage. So it's a bit of everything. I sort of bounce around the park, with, uh, you know, and, and do a lot of stuff. But it's really good fun. And Tom's at some of the events. You've got a, lo a load of other really, really big names uh, who do it. People like Simon Rimmer from Sunday Brunch on Channel 4 and Matt Tebbett. Uh, from Saturday Kitchen, loads of people. And um, I think this year, I think we've also got uh, Anna Hall, who's um, the Irish chef who is like, is it professional, master chef professionals, I think it is. And she's just brilliant. And I've not worked with her before. So I'm really, really excited about that. Andy Oliver's going to be doing it as well. She did it last year and she was so much fun. Uh, obviously from Great British Menu. So um, yeah, loads of people and it's it's good fun. So if you're, if you're over this way at any point, then come along. <laughs> Sounds super. And the fire pit stage sounds really interesting as well. Mm. Obviously, barbecuing and all of that has, has really taken off all over the world. And we have the big grill on in Dublin every summer. And that's something that people will have an opportunity to see you at this year. That's right. I'm very, very excited because uh, the big grill is obviously a huge event and I've never been to it. You know, I come to um, uh, sort of Dublin and the surrounding area a lot, probably about four or five times a year because um, my husband is from from Malahide and um, yeah um, this year I'm going to be doing some cocktail demos so and actually I write for a barbecue magazine as well actually so I do a lot of uh, barbecue friendly cocktails they're in my repertoire so I can't wait to share some of those uh, with everybody who's going to be there it's going to be sort of I think it's mid-August mid so in theory the weather should be lovely but we, we never know. The Child of Prague will be out in many locations to ensure that it is. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. As my as my granny-in-law says, uh, she lives in Blanchardstown and she says the sun always shines on the righteous and she's always aware it shines brighter in Blanchardstown than it does in Malahide. <laughs> yeah, it's great to hear that you have those Irish connections because your husband is from Ireland. We've been together for 18 years now and I really fell in love with Ireland as an island back then I was guilty I was a typical Brit I was guilty of not really having been over to 
Ireland a lot. I came over um, once before I met him from Madonna concert at Slane Castle. I mean, beautiful. The, the Slane Castle, just wonderful. And the reason my friends and I did that was because it was cheaper than the tickets at Wembley. And now I'm, it's just like, I'm, I'm in confession. You know, I feel guilty about this fact that I'd only ever been over, we literally sort of earliest flight in. We got a flight like the next day, but we didn't, we were so young and penniless that we didn't even get a hotel. We just went back to the airport and sort of just kicked on seats. I mean, ridiculous. So when I met Alan, I was very excited about exploring more of Ireland. I had to confess this whole Madonna thing, which I was not and am not proud about. Um, and then since then, since uh, 2005, uh, you know, I very quickly got to meet all the family and we come over, I'd say must be sort of about five, six times a year. Um, and we have a lot of friends and family uh, in Ireland. We've got uh, family um, in Derry, London, Derry. We've got family sort of all dotted, well, dotted all over the place. We do come in to Dublin, then get, get a car and just go and see everybody. And also because of uh, my uh, work with Saturday Kitchen and beyond, you know, I have a lot of chef friends, um, or they're, they're like Rachel Allen or Kevin Dundon or, or Paul Rankin, you know, people that are all over the place that any excuse I can get over and share a drink and have some food with them, it, it's great. And luckily through that, I've sort of managed to explore a lot of food producers and different areas for food um, and work with a few different people. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, like the Irish Food Writing Awards, like we were saying about, and also just got through social media, get to know so many people who are passionate producers in Ireland who I adore. That's what I was going to say there about one of the trips last year was for the Irish Food Writing Awards for the giving out of the awards. But you actually judged one of the categories. That's right. Yes, I did um, uh, best social media writers, which is a really interesting field because we all know what food writing means in the sense of a cookery book, um, of which I'm sure you're like me. I'm surrounded by them, you know, and uh, I love them. Um, but see, social media is a really interesting category because year on year, it's a bigger category. You know, a lot more people connect in general through social media. We forget, you know, gosh, 20 years ago, we didn't have what we have now. What was an app? You know, what was a smartphone? We didn't know. Um, and so it's really interesting because I, you know, it's whittled down to a, a long list of finalists. And there's so many... Um, sort of things you need to think about because obviously you can see somebody see somebody's social media and they can write like it's a cookery book with a recipe and a sort of an intro about why that recipe is important to them but there's so much more to social media food writing uh, than that because it's it's multi-layered um it can be it's very visual um with video complementing written word and photos are important but also it's that journey it's that story of the food a lot of the people that writing will be able to uh, sort of also put that recipe into context and say, I got these mushrooms from that market and you've got to visit this place for that market. If you do nothing else this weekend, go there to see these food producers from the surrounding county. And then it brings it in. And um, it was, it's, it's not an easy task, And but, but it's so great to see the amount of talent out there. I think um, uh, the previous year I did the online, so the web, website online uh, category, but it's brilliant because there's some really talented, you know this, there's some amazingly talented uh, food writers in Ireland and it's great to see that people are able to come to us with their passion through not just having a, a cookbook that might be in a, a bookshop but through uh, the medium of uh, you know Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and all the rest of it. And let's talk about your book 
Home Bar, which is an amazing and encyclopedia of different cocktails, alcoholic, non-alcoholic snacks to go with them. Like it's really comprehensive. What was the inspiration for doing the book? Well, I quite like to drink, if I'm honest. Um, but I, I t- I've Hard never worked. Obvious. I've, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've connected. I've got images of me and you at the cookery school. Oh, stop, stop. What happened in we, the cookery school days in the cookery school. But we did make very good macarons with a glass of wine in our hand. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> anyway, I digress. But I, I always love to drink. But I, I like to sort of experiment with things. I've, I've worked in hospitality on and off as a sort of a, a part-time job um, doing uh, restaurant work and silver service and all the rest of it. But I've never worked as a, a, a cocktail waiter or anything like that. But I think I have a, a love of not wasting anything, whether it's in the fridge, in the cupboard, in the drinks cabinet. And if I can dust off bottles and go, rather than chucking something I don't understand that I was given down the sink, I'd rather put it into a cocktail. You know, a lot of people might have something like a bottle of vermouth and go, what is vermouth? I don't even know what it is, let alone how to use it. And then all you need to do is put some vermouth with some vodka or gin or both, and you can make a martini. And, you know, and there are many different ways you can do that. Um, and uh, actually, there's a bit of a comeback in vermouth. There's some really good Irish producers of vermouth. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you tried the Valencia vermouth. Have I tried it? I'd bathe in it if I could. <laughs> I, I, th- I mean, they are wonderful ladies producing that and it's just delicious sometimes instead of a G&T I'll go for a V&T you know how you just want to change it up a little bit and then you know nice shot of the Valencia Island um with tonic is just delicious I absolutely love it and now the whole you know hand forage botanicals in there and the bottle's beautiful and yeah it's, it's really nice it's a real revolution um in Ireland and uh in in the UK uh, of of great vermouth producers and it's a great cocktail ingredient to have so yes back on the uh on the book, I just you know, wanted to put a few ideas together and through some of the, the writing for magazines, I uh, um, was doing a few recipes and then I was uh, hosting some drinks demonstrations uh, at uh, Abergavenny Food Festival in Wales. And my friend, Jose Pizarro, who's a lovely Spanish chef, um, said, oh, this is my publisher. He had a new book out and she came to see the demo. And she said, oh, you know, do you, do you, I guess you write and you do food and drink writing. I was like, yeah, yeah. She goes, has anybody ever, have you ever written a book or has anybody talked to you about writing a book? I was like, no, no. And she goes, well, no, let's chat. And through that, and we got some ideas together before lockdown, but then during lockdown, everybody was doing the clear out and, and dusting off bottles. So then it was like this cocktail idea it was like, well, this is good that we haven't actually got anything published before lockdown because now post lockdown, People could, you know, it's all about, you know, utilising that home bar. And everybody has a home bar, whether it's a couple of bottles of gin, a bottle of vodka and a whiskey, or whether it's a, you know, a palatial corner of a room with like uh, two dozen bottles on it or more. And the whole idea with home bar is that you don't need to have some sort of cloche that you're putting smoke under and burning rosemary and stuff like that, like you get in a beautiful cocktail bar. Leave that to the experts in those wonderful cocktail bars. You can do something really easy at home with just a few ingredients and a, a little shaving of orange peel and you've you've got a really decent cocktail. I'm a, a mojito person and I, I think it was in 2006 I first came across mojitos. A party was doing something at Taste of Dublin and they had a mojito and, and I find it very hard to get a cocktail that kind of meets that standard in terms of my taste and everything. Yeah. What's your favourite cocktail? Ah, well, you see, a mojito is great. I think that was probably my first cocktail. It's something about the lime and the mint, which is gorgeous. By the way, if you want to change it up, put some basil 
into it when you're muddling because that brings a really lovely garden herbaceousness to it. Now, I would say one of my favourites, it's a bit of a classic, it's just a, a straight-up margarita. It's the first recipe in the book. And, you know, you can have it on the rocks. You can have it as a big slush, slushy, like a slush puppy. Um, but I just do it, uh, literally three ingredients. So you have your, your tequila. If you've got reposado, that's great. There's a little bit of age in there, a little bit of uh, texture and flavour. Um, triple sec, I tend to use Cointreau, but whatever one you can find. And then just lime juice. And I literally shake that in a shaker, put the salty rim on the uh, on the martini glass because it's quite potent. And that's that would be just if it was a go-to cocktail. I love many, but that would be my cocktail of choice. And I think it's a really good one. When I was traveling across the USA, I produced a show called James Martin's um, American Adventure. So I, I, uh, I produced his French Adventure and his American Adventure and also worked on his other Saturday morning stuff um, when he left Saturday Kitchen. And um, whenever we were staying different places, we stayed in many different places over the two months that we were in the States, a good cocktail to go to just to see if they could make cocktails at the hotel or the motel or wherever we were staying. It's just a good go-to. I think it's good to, don't go, James will always say, don't go off piste. Don't do it. You know, like if you go to, like, I was up, go try the club sandwich because if they can get that right, go for something a bit more obscure, but stick with something that they should be able to do well. And the margarita is a really good choice. There. I, like, I like tequila. There's something about the flavour of tequila is just really lovely, I think. You talked about muddling there, and that's one of mm. the techniques that you know a lot of people use whenever, depending on the on the cocktail. But it's great that the book includes all of those different techniques. Yeah, I think people worry that they can't make cocktails, and I see where they're coming from because you see all the paraphernalia when you go into cocktail bar, and you see the theatricality of it, which we love. But you don't have to do that. You know, muddling is essentially just pressing. Uh, to get juice out of something or to get aromats out of herbs. So if you've got a pestle and mortar, or if you haven't got a pestle and mortar, you've got a bowl, a dessert bowl or a cereal bowl, you've got a rolling pin or a, a, a wooden spoon, just bash the lime and the mint, for example, if it were a mojito, bash the lime and the mint, release the aromats, and you can smell the lime, you can smell the mint. And once that's happened, you can then put in all the other um, sort of ingredients. But people think techniques like muddling or that it's how to sh shake a cocktail shaker they can't do. If you don't have a cocktail shaker, use a jam jar, put the lid on and shake. Or you can just use a jug, use the jug you put your custard in, clean it out, you know, stir and put ice in there, stir your drink. You don't have to have all of the equipment. Um, so I do try to make sure there's a little list of type of glassware I like to use, the different things, like you can have special stirrers that are nice, long, almost like a Knickerbocker glory spoon, you know, which are great for stirring big cocktails when they're in a, a batch in a big jug. But if you haven't got things like that, it doesn't matter. Like I said, use a wooden spoon, use the spoon you, you make your gravy with. Who, who cares? It doesn't matter. And you have a cocktail in there that one of the ingredients took me back to my 18th birthday. Oh, when yeah. my father had given me money to take to the pub to buy bottles of Asti's Bumonte. Um, ah. And this cocktail you made for the Duchess of York. It was designed for Sarah Ferguson, the du Duchess of York. Tell us about that. Yes, that's right. I was on a, a TV programme. I do um, uh, a regular slot on Alan Titchmarsh, the celebrity gardener, has a programme called Love Your Weekend, which is on the Sunday morning. And I go on there quite a lot. And um, one of the guests was uh, Sarah, the, uh, the Duchess. And I was like, oh, you know, this is exciting. I remember I remember watching the royal wedding way back in, was it, I think 
86 or something like that. We had the TV wheeled into the hall at school and we watched it. And I was obsessed. Um, uh, I remember thinking how pretty she was, that wonderful red hair. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be on telly with her. I need to create something. And um, I love apples. I love cider. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I love cider. I like apple juice. Um, and I thought, Duchess, what can I do? And I thought, I, for some reason, I think I've just tasted some really lovely traditional method cider, which is the cider that you get in the sort of champagne-like bottles. You know, some people associate cider with sitting on the school fields, you know, uh, in your teens, drinking a can of something dreadful. And luckily, cider has come a long way. You know, I'm a West Country boy. I'm from Bristol. Um, so there's a lot of good cider around here. And there's actually some lovely cider. I tasted some lovely ciders when we were up in um, in Northern Ireland, actually. Long Meadow, one of my favourites. I must give them a little plug because they're gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, traditional method ciders made very much like um, a champagne. And you can actually just drink that out of a champagne flute, which is gorgeous. But then I mix it with um uh, apple brandy you can get some beautiful like calvados style apple brandies uh, which are really really lovely just almost a, like a, uh, a sort of traditional champagne cocktail you know you can you can sort of put that together it makes it whoop, quite potent and you can if you want to make it a little bit more user friendly get some lovely cloudy apple juice and put that in there as well and it just makes a lovely drink a little different drink to have and the great thing was i made them quite strong when we were filming and actually the footage i'll have to show you the, the footage of it because you know it, they were quite strong like people's eyes are starting to walk water. <laughs> and she sat there and you you sort of get the gauge of who she is she goes Oh, no, I like it. I think that's fine. I think that's really good. And at the end, I think they said, which was your favourite? And she was like, this one, because it's clearly <laughs> the strongest. I've got this wonderful image of her, maybe on a chaise long at home, you know, with a little kitten heel slippers on, just going, oh, I want a really, really strong orchard duchess right now. And yeah, I called it the orchard duchess because it was a celebration of fruit and uh, Sarah, uh, Duchess of York. Well, you must tell everybody how they can get their hands on this wonderful home bar cocktail book. Oh, yes. Well, I'm uh, lucky enough that it is in Eason, uh, across uh, the country, across all of Ireland. And it's also in independent bookshops as well. Um, if you happen to be in Malahide, it's in Manor Books. I know that much, which is lovely, which is my mother-in-law's local bookshop. So I popped in there and did a, a little signing of all the copies. Um, and yeah, so you can also get it online. It is on Amazon as well. Um, so it's all over the place. I mean, great thing is if you happen to be in a different country, if you're in the United States, if you're in Canada, if you're in Australia, New Zealand, or in the UK, it's also available there too. And uh, um, yeah, I think it's one of those things that I walk into a shop sometimes uh, and I'll just, I'll do a double take and I can see my book in the corner of the, the store. I live very close to a big mall. Uh, here in Bristol and you know there's a Waterstones there's a WH Smith there's a Oliver Bonas and I'm like oh my god it's in all of those and it's lovely but walking into I went into that you know the big Eason near Trinity uh, in Dublin in near Trinity yeah. College popped into that I just said to my husband we're having a little mooch along through the city I said oh can we just pop in here again? I know what you're doing it's <laughs> like you're going in to see whether your book's in there I was like yes and I went in there and right next to the sign that said food and drink in the middle of the shelf was home bar and I was like oh my god how has this happened you know because I, I I don't know about you but I get major imposter syndrome you know I'm not a trained doctor I'm not saving lives but I do work in an industry which I love which I get to meet lovely people like you meet lovely food producers and then sometimes I'm like oh my gosh that's there and people can see it and if a single person messages me on social media and says I made this cocktail and I loved it and I think it makes all the hard work worth it doesn't it 
Absolutely. And you should be very proud because it is a huge achievement. There's a lot of people out there would love to have their own cookbook or cocktail book. So well mm. done. It is a fabulous book. So I do recommend that people go and look mm. for it and also to follow you on Instagram because you're you are great fun on there as well. And um, I've loved talking to you today because you have cast me back in time with your Madonna, Blue Peter. Richard and Judy and Monty, <laughs> what more could I ask for? I'm I'm Absolutely. in I'm in the last century with all of those um great names and and great events. I love it. Well, Asti Spumanti, if you have any, which I literally, like I said, I have dusty bottles of it. Get out your Asti, get some lemon juice, and get out some vodka, and you can make a beautiful cocktail. Because a lot of cocktails with fizz. You have to put sugar syrup if you're going to put citrus in because it's like, you know, it'd be too bitter otherwise. But if I had this uh, this problem once where I was like, oh, I want to make this cocktail, but I haven't got any uh, dry sparkling wine. I literally had run out um, and I had some Asti and I was like, oh, if I use Asti because it's a sweet sparkling wine, I don't have to make the sugar syrup. So it's, again, it's in the book. So perfect for spring and summer little celebrations. Get yourself a jug bottle of Asti, some lemon juice, probably about the juice of three lemons and a good slug of vodka or gin if you prefer. And you can make what I call my lemon drop fizz. So I suggest you do that, Sharon, you must do it. Let me know how it goes. I will definitely do that, Andy. Thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been great to catch up. And you, lots of love, big hugs from across the water. Speak to you soon. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.